Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Periodical Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, along with the astounding Tavis Killian. Hey there. And today we're going to be discussing recent environmental, social, and corporate governance policies, or ESG, that energy companies worldwide have released in recent months, and more specifically, their plans to implement carbon capture, utilization, and storage techniques in order to lower their carbon footprint. Our discussion today, as always, is going to cover the contents in this week's periodical that I released this past Wednesday, March 24th. But enough of this. Tavis, you know what to do. As more companies set aggressive decarbonization and net zero goals, the role of technologies and processes that draw down excess levels of atmospheric carbon dioxide and help sequester those emissions by using it as a feedstock for other products has taken center stage. Carbon capture, utilization, and storage, also known as CCUS, has long been a buzz phrase in the energy sector. Its promise, in a nutshell, is that the release of carbon dioxide can be prevented and fossil fuels can be burned without any footprint. Through the process of capturing the gas, transporting it to a suitable site, and then storing it underground, CCUS projects could enable the energy industry to mitigate the environmental damages brought on by hydrocarbon combustion. As a result, CCUS technology is expected to play an important role in the global climate change response in the coming years. According to a report by the International Energy Agency, carbon capture could contribute to a 19% reduction in global CO2 emissions while significantly reducing the cost of fighting climate change. While a striking estimate, more recent projections make the case on even stronger terms, especially with the new commander-in-chief taking control of Washington. A huge reason for the surge in CCUS projects being announced in many Q4 and EOY earning reports lies in the actions of President Joe Biden rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. Under the Paris Agreement, nations must strive to limit the global average temperature increase, keeping it well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. While renewables, nuclear, and energy efficiency will all be critical tools in the armory, the fact remains, fossil fuels are not going anywhere soon. This means the world must find effective new ways to manage emissions in order to balance increased regulatory oversight with the globe's growing energy demand. While it is certainly an evolving frontier, many fossil fuel producers are also getting on board, releasing information in recent months about their goals for implementing carbon capture and daily operations as a part of their growing ESG mission. So what we're going to do today is just kind of go through, first and foremost, some of the international companies and super majors that have implemented or are in the process of implementing these new CCUS techniques in their ESG movement. So we're going to start it off with ExxonMobil, who has actually created a new business called ExxonMobil Low Carbon Solutions, and they're focused on the commercialization and development of emission reduction technologies. Exxon plans to build at least 22 new carbon capture facilities, invest $3 billion in low emission technologies by 2025. The projects will begin in the U.S. Gulf Coast area, and they have partnered with two green energy firms, Fuel Cell Energy and Global Thermostat, and the company anticipates a 30% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2025, which will be further ramped up to 50% in the following years. Shell, on the other hand, has announced five new projects that relate to CCUS initiatives for the company. These include the Gorgon LNG project in Australia, which will capture 3 to 4 million tons of CO2 per year, the Quest CCUS facility in Canada to capture over 1 million tons, CCUS technology used at the Boundary Dam coal-fired power station in Saskatchewan, Canada, the Technology Center Mongstad in Norway for developing new technology, and the Northern Lights Project to transport and store CO2 
in a reservoir in the Norwegian North Sea. Several of these projects are collaborations between other supermajors and other European energy companies. Shell's target is to operate a net zero emissions energy business by 2050. So I really like Shell's initiatives because they actually have kind of, they've formed part of their company to investigate new CCUS technologies. It's not just, oh, this is the technology that's been around forever. They're trying to be innovative and create new technologies. And then as they're kind of really in inventing these processes, they're then implementing them in these different projects that they've already got going on. So I think those are pretty cool for Shell. Chevron, on the other hand, they've invested in a startup company called Blue Planet that develops carbonate aggregates and carbon capture technology to reduce the intensity of carbon in industrial operations. By using direct air capture, something in the industry they call DAC, the technology removes CO2 from flue gas and converts it into limestone that can then be incorporated into concrete. Chevron has also begun to implement international metrics that will align the company's environmental, safety, and social performances with recommendations from the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board. Love the ideas? Not a huge fan on the name. I mean, Blue Planet led me to believe that there would be something with hydrogen, but I, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I think it is cool that they're implementing it into um, concrete. They actually have utilized this in san francisco's airport believe it or not no so way. yeah they're actually already developing this technology and utilizing it in the field as we speak next up we've got total and they've been involved in carbon capture storage and utilization technologies for several years now as they are a french company they recently focused on meeting the paris agreement goal of maintaining global warming increase below that two degrees celsius from pre-industrial levels this initiative is being implemented by investing 10% of the R&D budget towards CCUS technology specifically. Total also supports an investment fund, the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative, OGCI, that manages over 1 billion in clean technology companies. Additionally, Total has entered into joint ventures with several companies to study CCUS and has begun a carbon pricing program. I think it's pretty cool that they've agreed to always invest 10% of their research and development budget towards CCUS. It's not that's and that's the minimum. They've said, you know, hey, in the coming years, as we're working towards this two degrees Celsius goal from the Paris Climate Accord, who knows? Maybe that ten percent is going to increase. But I love that they've said, guaranteed ten percent, we're going to invest our time and our money and our budget towards this carbon capture technology. And now BP, who's one of my favorite on this list, was actually one of the first companies to announce a net zero carbon initiative by 2050, and they've spun off part of its business to create a subsidiary focused on hydrogen and carbon capture utilization and storage. It's actually a branch of the company of BP. One of BP's major CCUS projects is the Net Zero Teesside project out of Northeast England, which focuses on capturing 10 million tons of CO2 emissions each and every year. Currently, the company is working to get appropriate agreements in place with partners and governments to safely transport and then store that industrial CO2 under the North Sea Actually, by 2025. That is a ton of CO2. Yeah, 10 million to be precise. <laughs> Next up, Super Major ConocoPhillips is working with the Energy Advanced Center to advocate for standards to demonstrate secure geological storage of carbon dioxide sequestered underground for enhanced oil recovery projects. The company operates Buckeye East EOR Flood in New Mexico, which utilized 259,000 tons of recycled CO2 in 2019. Conoco is also a backer in a global competition, the NRG Cosia Carbon X Prize, where a $20 million prize is distributed to winners that can develop technology for converting CO2 
from fossil fuel combustion to valuable products. So I actually think that this competition is super, super cool. So it actually started back in September 30th of 2015, but the winners actually won't be announced until winter 2021. So round one submissions ended in 2016, round two in 2017, round three in 18, so on and so forth. Um, some of the products that they've actually made are pretty cool. Uh, they've made sunglasses made out of CO2. They've made vodka out of CO2. Heck, they've even made hand sanitizer out of CO2, which nowadays is pretty cool with COVID going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone needs hand sanitizer. And some of the categories that they're competing in, you might be familiar with the carbon removal. I mean, Elon Musk tweeted about that. He's put up $100 million for the best technology. But also, they've got things like feeding the next billion. What other proteins can we make? Rapid COVID testing, rainforest AI, just a bunch of different categories. So go to xprize.org. There's some some pretty pretty cool things, and that's spelled X Prize. And lastly, for our super majors, we've got Occidental Petroleum. Back in 2018, Oxy announced the creation of its Oxy Low Carbon Ventures business group. It's focused on developing CCUS technologies to remove human-made CO2 from the atmosphere and then use it to lower carbon oil production or create less carbon-intensive products. Oxy has several CO2 EOR operations in the Permian Basin, injecting over 20 million tons of carbon dioxide each and every year into geologic formations. They have also partnered with several companies to implement a carbon-neutral energy cycle that's going to remove CO2 directly from the atmosphere and allow for sequestration at an industrial scale to offset the company's emissions from production and processing fossil fuels. So real quick, let's actually talk about this carbon-neutral energy cycle that Oxy has kind of coined the term for. So basically what they're doing is they're using direct air capture, the DAC that we talked about earlier, to capture CO2 that's emitted from uh, fossil fuel combustion. What they're then doing is they're injecting it into reservoirs where it's helping produce more oil. And as that oil is produced and then those fuels refined and then combusted, they're again capturing it. So that's where this carbon neutral energy cycle is coming from. Since they're capturing carbon, using it to create more fossil fuels, and then those fossil fuels that are burned are then the carbon is being captured from there. So it's just like kind of this, this endless cycle of what Oxy believes is, is carbon neutral energy. So I think it's a pretty cool initiative. I think it's a great idea and we'll see where Oxy takes this. All right, Kevin, I've got a stupid question. So this really just kind of sounds like some technology that's existed for a few decades now. Is there anything different? I don't really think it's, it's a stupid question because what they're trying to do during this ESG movement is to prove their commitment to lowering their carbon footprint. And what they're trying to do is, is tell their investors, tell the public that, okay, we recognize that we are creating CO2. We get that. But what we're trying to do is then capture that CO2 to then produce the fossil fuels, the energy that society still needs. So that sums up a lot of the super majors and everyone right at the top. But before we dive into some of the smaller U.S. independents, we first need to review the role of carbon credits. The companies we have just discussed have entire business units dedicated to the advancement of their ESG movements, which in recent years has focused on the development and deployment of carbon capture technologies. Many smaller companies do not have the deep pockets or investor base to be capable of such large-scale investments. Instead, many times they are forced to focus on reducing their carbon footprint with the use of carbon credits. Carbon credits are a tradable permit or certificate that provides the holder of the credit the right to emit one ton of carbon dioxide or an equivalent of another greenhouse gas. In other words, carbon credits are exchanged in a carbon market where businesses can sell each other's right to pollute. 
The main goal for the creation of carbon credits is the reduction of emissions of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases from industrial activities to reduce the effects of global warming. Since companies that pollute are awarded credits that allow them to continue to emit up to a certain limit, if a company reduces their emissions below their allocated limit, they can sell their excess credits. If they pollute more than the allocation, they will be required to purchase more credits. The practice of purchasing carbon credits was very common in the oil and gas industry until the ESG movement recently gained more momentum. Now investors want to see greater strides toward environmental sustainability. As mentioned before, some companies lack the capital to invest in mega projects to reduce their carbon footprint. The only remaining choice is to do everything they can to reduce emissions and purchase carbon credits for the remaining share. While the practice is much more common with smaller companies, it is still utilized by many of the larger corporations previously mentioned. Some of those companies even sell carbon credits to their smaller counterparts. One of those is actually Diamondback Energy. So Diamondback Energy announced the Net Zero Now initiative, which means that as of January 1st, 2021, every hydrocarbon molecule produced by Diamondback is anticipated to be produced with a zero net one scope emissions, which means all direct emissions from the activities of Diamondback under their control. The greenhouse gas and methane intensity reduction targets announced are the primary focus of the company as it relates to its environmental responsibility. Goals include greenhouse gas intensity reductions from 2019 levels by at least 50% and methane intensity reductions by at least 70% by 2024. The company recognizes it will still have a carbon footprint after these goals are met, and therefore, carbon offset credits must be purchased to offset the remaining emissions. And I'm just curious about the verbiage here. They say every molecule. Is that something they said? Do they have a way to outline that? Or are they really just going way over the top to make sure everything is accounted for? I think it's more just a kind of a, a, a PR announcement that, okay, you're not really going to be able to account for every single molecule, but they're trying to really just cover all their bases and prove to the public and their investors that they are invested in this, you know, the climate focused mindset. Next up, Cimerex is focused on reducing both their environmental footprint and emissions associated with operations. While required to report our GHG emissions to the EPA annually, Cimerex enhanced the processes to identify and monitor the location and emissions from GHG-emitting devices across the entirety of their operations with a focus on methane emissions. Due to the recent acquisition of Resolute Energy Corporation in March of 2019, the total reported 2019 GHG emissions volume increased 11% year-over-year, primarily to combustion associated with production, gathering, and boosting operations. Despite the increase, Simerex achieved a 14% reduction in GHG intensity during this period. So that basically means their total volume went up, but the actual intensity of their greenhouse gas emissions did go down, so good on those guys. Last up, we've got Crescent Point Energy. Crescent Point has focused their emission reductions on methane because, quote, methane is much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, and methane reductions are at the forefront of federal regulations, end quote. While Crescent Point's facilities currently meet regulatory requirements, they are committed to reducing methane emissions by over 50% by 2025, which not only exceeds the industry target, but would result in reducing direct or scope one emissions by 30% in the same time period. The story of carbon capture and storage begins with oil and gas. Oil companies pioneered a process decades ago to isolate CO2 from plumes of mixed gases to sell better quality natural gas. In an effort to squeeze more oil out of the ground, the CO2 was utilized as an enhanced oil recovery technique. Now, not only is carbon capture key to global energy companies' pledges to net zero, 
but regulators claim it will be key to keeping global temperatures well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has released a report showing the 2050 goal is to capture approximately 5 billion metric tons of CO2 per year to keep global warming between 2 degrees Celsius. So that means the world has a long road ahead to meet these recommendations for maintaining the GLOW's thermostat. While carbon capture, utilization, and storage is certainly not the sole answer to the climate crisis, it does have several benefits, including giving new life to depleted oil and gas reservoirs, hedging heavy emitters against rising carbon prices, and even providing a green revenue source for technology providers. Many of the companies mentioned have implemented drastic changes to their involvement in ESG efforts, but only time will tell which technology or method remains viable as a solution to corporate, environmental, and social governance. And that is the end of this episode. Yes, we covered lots of companies. Please go out there, look into some of this stuff yourself, including that XPRIZE website we mentioned earlier. While you're browsing around the internet, make sure to stop over at rarepetro.com and you can see the other content that we produce as a company. I mean, Kevin's still writing other periodicals. I'm still making Monday Madness and Basin Breakdowns. And hey, there should be a new segment right around the corner. So make sure you're... Oh, actually it released by the time you heard this. So go check it out. But this is the end of the episode. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. Have a fantastic week. 